Welcome to another great story with your host, Nick Sandino, brought to you by The Village Christian Church. Do you know any great stories? We sure do. And we can never find enough time on a Sunday morning to tell them all. Here at Another Great Story, we tell the truth about where life change, life growth, and life purpose meets our everyday life with the hope that you might experience God in your story. Welcome back to another great story. Joining me today with a couple funny stories about forgiveness and our failed understanding of it sometimes is Sarah O'Sullivan, our campus pastor uh, at the Seneca, Illinois campus of the Village Christian Church. So sit back and relax and enjoy another great story. Sarah, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a month or two since you've been on, I think. Oh, it's always such a good time, though. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So you got to preach on forgiveness. I I spoke on it in Cole City. We mm-hmm. were just um, off air talking about who was preaching where because we couldn't remember. Like two weeks <laughs> past it, it had already left our minds. Uh, but we've been in this series called I Wish Someone Would Have Told Me. Have you liked it so far? I really have loved it, and I think that there's been a lot of value um, just for the people attending our church and hopefully everyone listening to the podcast as well. Yeah, absolutely. I've gotten great feedback on the podcast. That said, make sure that if uh, something catches your ear on the podcast, share it with your friends, share it on social media. We want to get this good news out there of the things we've been talking about. What's your favorite week been so far? I th- actually, I think this week was my favorite week because it's just loaded with things that as people we can really struggle with. What does it look like to to accept forgiveness from God? What does it look like to extend forgiveness? And what does it look like to recognize our own sin so that we can repent of it and receive that forgiveness? Are you better at receiving forgiveness or offering forgiveness? Offering forgiveness. Really? <laughs> I think it's yeah? I think it's way easier. Yeah, I don't know where I would land on that one. I, I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm which one I'm better at. I'd say I'm probably better at receiving it. Really? Than, oh yeah, yeah. I, I I I feel like people who love me should forgive me. I just struggle to do that sometimes. Well, I, I guess I'm harder on myself than I am on other people. Oh yeah, I'm hard on myself. I'm just not always great at. Um, like I'll I'll give forgiveness. It just takes me a while to get my head there. I don't know. I'm not the <laughs> Lord. So I've got a lot of conditions around forgiveness. But this has been a fun week. We talked about this story of of King David uh, gets caught in adultery, mm-hmm. um, gets uh, Bathsheba pregnant, um, then sends her husband, long story short, out to war and has the rest of the army withdraw from him so that he gets executed on the battlefield. Yes. That's a very you know, reduced portion of that story. And he's just kind of living with it. Like there's probably a little bit of guilt or desire to hide it. Uh, but there was a lot of desire to hide it. He went yeah, to for sure. great lengths to do that. Oh man. It would have been so much easier if Uriah would have just came home and, and spent the night with Bathsheba and he would have swept it under the rug. Is that not like a, doesn't it just sound like a political conspiracy? <laughs> yes. You know, this like well, was, illegitimate really. child of the king yeah. is like going to be raised like, you know, a few houses away from the palace and. And nobody will ever know, but we, we go to great lengths to hide our sin there. I mean, hiding our sin is one thing, but we, we hide 
just in general, things that are, are hard, that are embarrassing, that make us look bad to, to other people. Oh, we man. love to keep up good fronts. It's like the reverse of the gospel. It's yes. like, just hide it, keep up your front. And <laughs> Nobody if you, ever if has you to cross know. the finish line, everybody thinks you're pretty good. You should be okay before <laughs> God. It's like a reverse gospel. You were telling me a story about when were you serving in Kid Village that this that this happened? You know, it's probably like 10 years ago. It's been a long time ago, but I was helping out in Kid Village one day and I was... This is before you moved, before you were on staff, yes, before yes. anything, like in the school. Yes. It, I mean, it's been quite a while ago and I was helping our children's pastor, Amy, in Kid Village. And so I had gone down there and I was watching the, the two-year-olds and they're just playing. And there was this one um, young man who still attends our church. I'm going to go ahead and, and withhold his name. But he's playing with this toy truck, a pretty sizable toy truck. And, and he walks over to uh, another boy that was in the, in the kid village classroom. And he looks at the truck and he looks at this other kid and he smacked him in the head with this pickup <sighs> truck. I mean, just smacked him with it. And I was shocked by this. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't hit. We don't hit. Right. And here's this two-year-old. And this is the perfect picture for, for us and how we, we want to like justify our, our sinfulness and, and point to something else. This isn't my fault. This, this little two-year-old boy, he, he points to himself and he shook his head no to me. And then like it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And then he picks up this truck in his hand and he holds it up next to him and he, he points to the truck and he nods his head yes at me. Yeah, here's the problem. Yeah, it wasn't me. It yep. was the truck. The truck did it. Yeah. The it, truck hurt this other kid. It, it really was the truck <laughs> that did the damage. So the truck should repent. <laughs> Isn't right. that silly, like how we end up in that circumstance, yeah. though? It's, it, it's funny because like we look at that in children and we go, I would never be so childish. But I've completely tried to think rapidly how to like get out of something. We just had an issue. I might've even told you this uh, at a different time. Jets watering the neighbor's flowers. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm nervous now that somebody's going to send this to our neighbor. Okay. <laughs> like that's, that's don't how much it. I want to hide, hide this. Like, so just don't share it with anybody on Briar, but we're uh, a <laughs> jet. My, my second born supposed to be watering flowers. She hates the job for yeah. the summer. Um, they've got one tree. They're like, if you keep anything else, like if anything else dies, as long as this tree lives, that that's a new planting. That's all we want. And so Jet went down there and, and reluctantly we would make her water. She'd always come back soaking wet because their hose leaks at the handle and furious. Like she'd be wet. She'd be tired. She'd be like in tears. <laughs> she'd be hot. It. Oh, like hot, hot temper. I, I like hidden camera videoed her. To, because it entertained me, and so Lauren and I could laugh at it later, which is not like <laughs> biblical parenting. And uh, we went down there. So it had been the first week and a half of school. It had been like 10 days. We hadn't gone down to water. And it was like that dry part of August. And I was like, hey, this is getting bad. We got to get down there and get on some stuff. you know. And Jet came down, and two minutes later it came back. And I was like, no way. Like You've got an hour of watering to do down there. I know it's dry. It's been 10 days. And she goes, I'm here. She did the right thing. She's uh -huh. like, I'm here because I left the hose on last time. Oh, wow. And that hose that leaks had been leaking for 10 days. Oh, my goodness. I'm sick still talking about it, and we're in October now. So they come home, like, next week. I'm curious. We're not – she's not getting paid, and I think in reverse it's going to cost us. We're going to have to pay their water bill. <laughs> okay. Cause, and, and so my solution – this is Saturday night. 
Lauren was gone at, at uh, event somewhere, a school or, oh, maybe taking pictures. That's what she was doing. Mm-hmm. She was taking pictures. And I had to preach the next morning and working through my sermon and I can't engage with this. Like I can't engage with it. And my solution, Jet comes down, like we'll go finish watering, turn the water off. She finishes watering. Lauren comes home. I tell her and I'm like, and here's what we're going to do. We're friends with the guy at the city. We're going to pay her water bill anonymously. And then we're going to deny that anything ever happened. We're going to hope nothing, like nobody ever knows on this. And Lauren's like, I, I don't think that's, you know, talking to her pastor, husband, preparing a sermon, how we should handle this. And I was like, well, that's how I'm handling it. Like I'm not having confrontation on a Saturday night over what my 11 year old did. And, you know, anyway, next morning, Lauren comes in, I'm about to go preach and she comes in a couple songs in and comes up behind me and says, um, I called her this morning. Everything's fine. Now, I didn't know what, but I'm telling you I preached differently. Like, I exhaled. Like, the weight came off. Oh. Like, I, I didn't realize I'd been carrying something for, like, 12 hours. Yeah. And that's just a dumb, like, and this wonderful neighbor was like, she's 11. Like, I'm glad everything's okay. Like, and her first question, is the tree alive? And so mm-hmm. I, like, raced down. I'm like, the tree's still alive. She's like, okay, well... She's in sixth grade. Like, what can you expect? And I was like, oh. Yeah. But that's what happens, right? Like, hiding, hiding things, it, it, it's spiritually heavy. It's emotionally heavy for us to, to do. And we oh, yeah. can, like, relieve ourselves of, of that weight. I think it's something people get good at, too. I do, too. Like, the more you practice it, the better you'll get at hiding, and the more resources you'll get to hide your mistakes. Like, so you can't hide very well at 11, but you can hide pretty well at 40. Oh, yeah. Well, you learn all the, like, tricks of the trade, right? Right. And how to keep things like that a, a, a secret. And and I think that people would expect that, like, pastors would have all of that figured out, you know, and that we wouldn't, like, fall into uh, the feeling of needing to hide something. But six months ago, I, I did this. Oh, I mean, I did it. And so it was really funny for me putting together this message because I was like, when have I hidden something or felt the need to hide something that's really big? And and why did I feel that? So that I can help people, you know, walk through this. And I realized, I mean, six months ago at our Seneca campus, we were having our our roof replaced. And we had gotten bids to do that uh, in last year in 2022. And so I had gotten the bids. We had a $10,000 bid. And um, like in February of this year, I reached out to the contractor to say, hey, you know, like, can you get us on the calendar? I called uh, Nate, our lead pastor, to let him know that I had made that call. And he says, Sarah, are you positive it's going to be $10,000? Because that's what we have set aside for it. And I was like, yeah, that's what he said. I, I'll reach out again and, and just make sure. So I call the contractor and he's like, yeah, the prices haven't, you know, really increased much. The bid's still good. And I said, perfect. And a little while later, he reached back out to me and said, okay, I've got an opening. We'll get you on the calendar in March. And I called Nate to let him know. Uh, and he said, Sarah, are you positive that it's going to be $10,000? said, yeah, Nate, you know, that's, that's what he said. No problem. You know, I'm not worried about it at all, but just to make sure we're covered, I'm going to call him. I'm going to have him come back out. And so he did. The contractor comes back out. He climbs up on the roof, looks at it. He goes up in the attic and looks at it from underneath. And he says, yeah, like based on, you know, what I see, we're, we're in good shape here. 
fantastic. And so it was like the most exciting day ever when he came out and they started working on the roof and they're up there working hard. And, and I was inside just happy as could be. And then the work stopped Mm. and the front door opened and, and the gentleman fixing the roof walked in and he said, uh, Sarah, we got a problem. I said, okay. He's like, listen, there's two layers of shingles on your roof and I didn't know. And it's going to, it's going to take longer for us to do the job. It's going to take more man hours. And I'm just like holding my breath trying right. to figure out how much more this is going to cost us. And he said, don't worry. It, it's my fault. He's like, I'm going to eat the cost on it. Just want you to know it's going to be Which, longer. What an honorable right? move. And, and I just breathed like the biggest sigh of relief ever. And I was like listening to worship music inside and just so thankful that like I felt like I had dodged a bullet or something. He goes back up and he's working on the roof and then I hear the work stop again and he comes back in the door and, and guess what he says when he comes in? Yeah, we got another problem. Yeah, we've got another problem, Sarah. And this was a way bigger one. He's like, Sarah, there's not a solid wood surface on on the building under those two layers of shingles. It's slats and they don't fit together very well and there's big gaps. Right. And I can't just nail shingles back onto this because there's big gaps. I'll be shooting nails into nothing. It's not going to be a right. secure roof. He's like, we have to you know, you have to sheet the whole the entire roof. roof and it is going to cost $3,000. And I was sick. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I was sick to my stomach and my immediate. So as a pastor grown woman, I'm a, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a grandmother. Like right. as a grown woman, I sat there and tried to figure out how I was going to hide this. Yeah. How I could make sure <clears throat> that Nate never, ever found out about it so that he wouldn't know that I had like failed somehow. It's Ugh. fascinating, isn't it? Oh, it's, it just sneaks up on all of us. Yeah. Like it's our first inclination. It, if I was in the contractor's shoes, it makes you wonder if that's going through his head. Mm. Like, how can I spin this? Yeah. Like, how can I sell this? And like, kudos to that guy for walking in and shooting straight twice. Oh yeah. He's great. He's I mean, it's, phenomenal. it's what you practice, mm-hmm. you know, it's like what you, um, develop. It's also, so think about the flip side of this. It's also what you can uh, instill in people around you on the response that you give. You know, like I know that I've conditioned my kids to wince when they have to confess mm. because I, I can't always control my first response. Yeah. And so I've got to like come down and go, okay, here's the logical thing to say. And like that's been a major thing. Like they're coming to me honest. Uh, three out of four of them are coming to me honest. I've got one that I can watch <laughs> I won't name her name, but I can watch her brown eyebrows. <laughs> oh, you just gave it away. I can watch her her brown eyebrows kind of shift around and look for composing, and her, and her voice changes, and she'll start to put the story together. <laughs> Very carefully. Word, well, I don't know how that broke unless I really am honest about it. Yeah, so I mean, she's it's just, pointing at the tracker. Oh, she's like, it's always something. It's like she's always tempted, and so like we're in this big routine right now of like, hey, you're you you will be in less hot water for what you did yeah. than you will be for the lie, like because I need you to trust me and mm-hmm. I will work on my response, and I'm honest with them. Like, hey, I'm in I'm under construction on this too. Like, here's yeah. where I'm convicted. Yeah. Like, because my first response, I can't hide my face. Mm-hmm. I know I've got an emotional response. <laughs> I know you're seeing it. I know you can like feel it in the room. And man, I go back to being, I was like seven or eight years old 
end, it was March. I'd gotten a uh, tackle box for my, I'm not a fisher. Like I don't fish, you know, but I got this tackle box for my birthday. It was like this little kid one, but it wasn't like fake. Mm-hmm. And my dad was like, Hey, there's like four real lures in there. Um, he didn't want to do lures. We were like hook and worm people under an old iron bridge on a mm-hmm. Creek and we'd pull out bullheads and, and, uh, little bluegill like that yeah. was with a bobber. Yeah. Um, but I was like so set like Sunday afternoon was my dad's time that he would like really devote to us. Uh, I talked about that like on a Sabbath message, like it was our time with dad and he said, we'll go fishing, but I need you to wait because like he can't play with those fish hooks yet. Like seven years old. I kid you not. Like he took a nap after church for 20 minutes and uh, woke up to me like whimpering in my bedroom because I had sunk three of those things into my fingers. Oh, no. And I don't know how I got... like barbed. Yeah, I got like multiple of them hooked in my fingers. I don't know how I got more than one. Like, <laughs> I honestly don't remember. All I remember is hanging my hand up in the air and fishing lures dangling off of them. Oh, jeez. And I was in, there was like not a lot of blood, but enough that I was like, this isn't, you know. And then he's got to pull them out. mm Oh, and it was, like, brutal. Like, there was no hiding it. Like, there's no, like, oh, I'll just never let him see my left hand again. Yeah. You know, like, it's this is the way it is. But it's, oh, man. Like, I remember him handling that way better. I think it was because the consequence was already the <laughs> severe the, pain that he was, like. are dug into your hand. It looks like you've learned on this yeah. one that Dad was right. You know, but David's response is to hide it. And then Nathan confronts him. And so this is the part that I think we both wanted to get to. It's one thing to have somebody who's willing to confront you in your life, but it's another thing to listen to them. Yeah, so there's different aspects to this, right? Like we, we have to, as followers of Jesus, we have to have people that, that, are, you know, that surround us that will speak truth to us. And so we all need to have like good godly influences around us. But when, when that person that we trust does come to us and point something out to us, how are we responding to that? Oh, could you imagine being the guy who has to go confront the king on adultery? Oh, no, I, I cannot imagine. I, I mean, had to have been. I would just whisper about it. Like I would just whisper behind his back. Well, like that'd think, be. Think about David's response, though, because he was so angry. Well, he's he already had so, one man killed for it. He was so angry about this message, this story, about this thing that somebody else had yeah, done. Yeah, so recap. Tell him how Nathan confronts him in so, case somebody missed it. Yeah, Nathan, he goes to David and he tells him a story about this this rich man, you know, who needs to prepare a, a feast for somebody, and, and rather than take one of his own lambs to prepare this meal. He he kills the lamb. He takes a lamb of a poor man, the only lamb he had, this lamb that he loved it, and he kills that lamb to prepare this feast. And David is furious when he hears this oh, story. Oh, David says we should kill this guy. Yes. And isn't that fascinating, though, because it's the way we operate in sin all the time. We can see it in other people. We point it out in other people. We're furious about the sin in other people. But when it comes to ourselves, we're like, oh, no, wait, no, it, it wasn't me. It was the, the truck. That, that caused the damage. Yeah. Yeah. In my case, it's the truck in my hand. In your case, it's <laughs> yeah. your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. And so we have to like start with awareness. Yeah. You know, to, to have any hope of getting to forgiveness, we need to have an awareness of, of our sin. And so if we're lucky, we're, we're surrounded with people who will tell us, like if we have blind spots and we're missing sinfulness, like to have people yeah. around us like Nathan, 
who, who will come to us and tell us. And then we have to have a responsibility as Christians to, to listen to the, to those words. Oh, it's hard that they're speaking to us. No, you don't have to answer this, but putting you in the spot, who's your Nathan that you have that relationship with? You know, the, the simplest answer to it is, is my husband. I mean, the man, I was wondering if it was, oh Bob. man, the man knows me inside and out and front and backward. And, and he will very gently and kindly point out to me when he sees me moving in a direction that is contrary to God's word, because he knows that it's not my heart to move yeah. you know, contrary to God's word. And so he will tell me, and I know that man has my very best interest at heart. What's your instinct when he brings it up? Well, when it's Bob, it's easy. Oh, really? Yeah. You're good at it with oh, Bob. Oh, yeah. Like, I trust him totally and completely. And so it the, the struggle is, is when it's, you know, somebody else. And I have had people in the church that have been, you know, that have noticed different things or heard me maybe say something a certain way that they, you know, it was hard for them to receive. And so I've had people that have... Um, I guess approach some things with me that they wanted me to look at. And, oh, yeah. and my instinct was to be like, uh, excuse me, you know, I know. <laughs> yeah. On it's so, oh. so here's the tricky part for me on this. Like if, if we have that relationship established, mm-hmm. like on the backside, like I'm working at receiving that. Yes. But if we don't have that relationship and you come in hot, Ooh, yeah, totally. I'm ready to... We, we have to do the work on the front end to make sure we have those yeah. relationships. And so it, the criteria that I have for that is the people that I allow to speak truth into my life in that way are people that love the Lord, that love me, that love my family, and that I see that they live a life uh, like filled with oh, an exuding man. fruit of the Spirit. Yep. And so when I see those things in a person and when they speak truth over me, I'm going to listen to it. Yeah. And and so here is where I have resolved to be as a follower of Jesus on this topic. When someone speaks something over me that is hard, I have resolved to receive it, to thank them for it, and to take it to the Lord in prayer and ask him if that is indeed for me. Oh, I like that. That's and, a great... And that's what I do uh, because I want to receive those. I have no well. order to my chaos. Like you can bring it and I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how it's going to go, you know? Well, we have to think like if, if someone that loves the Lord is bringing something difficult sure. to us, sure. what pos- like what do they have to gain? Nathan right. had to have been petrified. You would think, Nate, I, I, it, that's probably the undertaught part of the story. Like the gumption or the confidence in the Lord that Nathan had. Mm-hmm. He was like, well, this is what the Lord told me to have to tell you. Yeah. Because we don't like that side of it either. And so we want to be a Nathan to someone. But when a Nathan comes to us with something difficult, we need to receive it in love and, and understand that it, it could be a blind spot. Yeah, And so if we thank them for doing it because that had to have been hard and then we take it to the Lord Almighty who will definitely tell us if that is for us or not. Yeah. I've got a good friend, Doug. I talk about Doug whenever I talk accountability. We meet Mm -hmm. once every two weeks to uh, not even that anymore, once a month. Um, But one thing I can't, he's the only, oh, careful here. (laughs) He's on the short list of friends who call me that I don't have to call. He's a ve- on the very short list of people who are like, if we haven't talked, he will schedule it. He will call me. Yeah, I love those friends. Because I feel that burden a lot. Like yeah. that I, I, 
probably because of ministry, you got to like rally things together. And I dump a ton of that on Lauren. Lauren schedules our small group. Lauren schedules nights out with friends and you have like the most you know, precious wife on the planet. Well, so I'm I'm getting I love her. I'm getting no accountability with her oh. because like it's a it, it it's a new thing in our marriage. So like with Doug, it's been ten years of getting really comfortable with it to just dump and say like, oh, I I lost my temper. I said this. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling with my kids on this. He's he's been married ten years longer and has kids ten years older. Mm-hmm. So like we're just uh, and yet it's a two way street. And it doesn't even, it's lost its sting in a good way that like when he's like, yeah, you know, you can't be doing that. Yeah. Or yeah, you got to clean your act up on that, you know? And like, I I know his response, like while I'm saying it. So a new thing for Lauren and I has been, um, she's so honoring that I can be jumping off the deep end and she's like, well, he's right. And I'm like, no, I'm not like you've, you (laughs) like, I need you to, I trust her heart more than I trust anybody's like you can you can snap me out of that. And she's like, do you want to snap you out of that? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to mess with that when you're worked up or upset or in the wrong. Like, I don't want to be the one who does that. And she probably wants to give you a safe space to navigate through it. Oh yeah. And so we had had a, I, I get the girls to school. Um, and then she's home like right when they get home, like within minutes. And we had had a morning, like girls chaos in the morning Mm -hmm. and the girls heal over the day. They're like, yeah, they, they forget how rough the morning was. They've had a full day of school. I came home still mad at them, <laughs> like for how they had treated me and each other that morning. And like, I walked in, like worked up and Lauren touched my arm uh, at our kitchen Island. and was like, Hey, and, <laughs> and, and I looked at her and I said, you have no idea how mean they were to me this morning. Like, <laughs> don't even, I know what you're touching my arm for and I'm going to stay mad. It took 30 seconds to 90 seconds to like unwind from that and go, okay. Yeah. You're right. I'll settle down. Yeah. Uh, but man, is it like a new thing? And we've got a great marriage. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing we hide from each other and it's still like a new a new level of accountability. So well, shift, and we should all be continuing to learn and grow and develop. Oh, so. I would hope so. Yeah. Like what a what a treat. Like if you're new to this in your faith, and the the biggest thing you could start doing with your spouse, like if your spouse is wanting the same thing you're wanting with the Lord and with mm-hmm. a healthier outlook, start praying together. Yes. And start like his for each other. Pray together and pray mm-hmm. for one another. Yeah. And it will it will so humble your heart. And mm-hmm. some of you are got a lump in your throat thinking about having to do that. You'd mm-hmm. rather pray in front of a stadium than pray in front of your yeah. spouse in an empty room, you know, but if you would start praying for one another mm-hmm. and it'll soften your heart in such a way that the, it feels like a, a cheat for getting the blind spots lifted because mm-hmm. as I'm praying for this person, I'm going, oh, I would, I would have said that different. Yeah. You know, like, so clean my act up Lord. It's like inviting the Holy spirit right there into the middle of your relationship and you can start to build on this, but what's repentance look like? You know, to even get to a point of, of repenting, there's gotta be awareness of sin. Yep. You know? And so if you start with awareness of, of your sin, which is where we see David arrive in this story and you take full accountability for that sin. And we stop blaming other people or our circumstances or, or the toy truck, right? Like we take full accountability for it. We own it. And then we take it to God and we repent of it. And, and we turn away from that sin and we turn toward 
God and start to walk in, right. the, in the truth. And do you know, I think that one of the biggest mistakes that we make is turning too far. Oh, so like definition of repentance would be like 180. Like yes, like going, turn away from sin, turn toward yep, God. I've been heading south, I'm going to turn and head north. And I think because you love direction talk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm bad at it. I don't know why anyone uses like directions <laughs> when they're telling me how to get somewhere. I, I need like turn left at the 7-Eleven kind of directions from people. But I, I think that when like we can have a desire to repent, um, we think, and then we'll turn away from the sin and we keep turning and we keep turning and we do a 360 instead of a 180. And before we know it, we are headed in the exact same direction. I like that, that. we were headed before. Yeah. It, usually you feel the most desire to repent right when you're about to get caught and you start to cut a deal with God. You're like, Hey, I'm done and I'm following you. If nobody finds out. Right. But there's such a big difference between like godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is something that, you know, we we see quite often or we experience quite often. Like we're, we're awful. Sorry. We get caught. Oh yeah. We're, We're awful. Sorry that our life is a mess and that we're dealing with the consequences from our sin. That'd be like shame based. Yeah. But, but worldly sorrow doesn't turn away from that sin and turn toward God. It's awful. Sorry. And it does a 360 and continues in the sin. And that's why it leads to death. Right. So God doesn't desire for you to live in shame, Mm -hmm. but guilt is a function of turning you back to God. So like an awareness that something is wrong Mm -hmm. that needs to be made right Mm -hmm. is a good feeling. Living with that is like a definition of who you are and it it defines you is a shame characteristic Mm. and you can't camp out there. And I see this like chronically where people are living in shame because they feel like, uh, that's, that's just who they are. Oh, you know what? I just saw, I'll even call her out by name. Carly Nichols just put a beautiful post on Facebook. Did you see this? I don't think so. It was, uh, it was Rahab, um, uh, described in, what would that be? In Ruth? Like Rahab's described in the old Testament mm-hmm. as Rahab, the prostitute. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then in the new Testament, she's one of Two women mentioned in the lineage of Jesus. Rahab, the fifth generation great-grandmother of Jesus. Well, God always has a plan. Like, so there's this redefining label. If he was a shame-based God, she'd be Rahab the prostitute who lucked into being, you know, Jesus' great-grandmother because God's good. It wasn't that. It's a complete new label. It's a complete identity change. Shame is an identity killer. Like, guilt calls you, hey, let's go a new direction. You don't have to live in that guilt anymore. You have a God who says you're forgiven. Mm Mm-hmm. That because of the grace of the cross, because Jesus, uh, you know, so many gospel presentation, like because you have sin, the wage of that sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ because he pays that sin debt on Mm -hmm. the cross with his own life. And he was blameless, so it satisfied it. Mm -hmm. And where other things have been a covering for sin, this, this was a payment in full satisfying debt payoff. That it, would, that it would be no more. So even if we accept that, I think it can be really difficult to understand that yeah. God has a purpose on the other side of it. Right. You know, and so people will stop right there. Like, I can't do anything more. I'm, I'm disqualified because of where I've been. And, and we lose track of the fact that God is an eternal God who right. sees the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. He knows every step of our life before a single step is taken. And I think about Peter and like, Jesus's interaction with Peter and 
like the whole conversation that they had in, in Luke 22, where Jesus told Peter, you know, that, that he was going to struggle, that, that he was going to be praying for Peter, that his faith wouldn't fail, but that it in fact would. He's like, and so anyway, like, like after you repent, because you're totally going to deny me three times, you're going to deny me. And, And Peter's like, I would never do that. And Jesus is like, you're going to do it. And after you do it, after you repent and turn back to me, go strengthen your brothers. Like Jesus knew he was going to do it. And he already had a plan to use him on the other side of it. We are not disqualified because of where we've been. God knew we were going to be there. He has a plan to, to forgive us and to restore us and to use us on the other side of it. it. Just like he used Peter to go and strengthen his brothers on the other side of it. Just like he, I mean, just like David, we know him as a man after God's own heart, even though he was an adulterer and a murderer, because he repented and he, he brought this sin to God and, and repented of it and received forgiveness. And, and now, even though he had committed those sins, he is still known to us in the church as a, as a man after God's own heart. Yeah. It's, it's why I'm campaigning that Thomas gets a new label. That poor guy, we just labeled yeah. him as Doubting Thomas. Oh yeah, and I'm it, so grateful for like two questions that guy asked. Well, and why, why did why is he getting all the flack? There was a whole group right. of people who didn't go down there. Yeah, who we didn't don't believe go, the women. You we know? don't go denying Peter. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. And. Uh, but oh, God man. has a plan on the other side of our sin. We we need to confess and repent and and have that weight removed from us, and then move forward in the freedom that Jesus died to give us. Right. Right. So I I'm thinking. Uh, Go read Psalm 51. Mm. This is your assignment. Like if you want something to do out of this, it is a it is a textbook guide for what it's like to get alone with God. <clears throat> Rochelle said this, thinking about it isn't the same as praying about it. That's right. It's not so, the same as confessing to a holy God. So, I mean, you like, just to explain this, like we want you to get alone with God mm-hmm. and go, hey, God, I'm so sorry for this. Like, the way David wrote it, in direct response to this is, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Like, here's your promise. I need to cash in on that promise. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Here's the part that I wanted to jump ahead to, though, in verse 12. This is where I think David corrects the shame, guilt, mentality mm-hmm. in his own heart. As he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So mm-hmm. immediately, like my instinct, God is going to, is going to be to hide from you until yes. I feel like some conditional time has passed that maybe you can love me again. And David says, just restore me the joy of what I know is your promise. And we'll walk out of here today and I'll trust you for it. And it won't even be out of my own strength. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me mm-hmm. like that. I'd stay in this new direction. So you don't have to know what the direction is 180 degrees behind you or due north, you know, from mm-hmm. your south southward direction. You just have to like turn that way and then rest in it. Yes. And he's going to reveal that to you. And so you can even ask him for those things. You know, uh, David goes on, open my lips, Lord, my mouth will declare your praise. Um, and this blows me away. Verse 16, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You're in a culture that has a tabernacle set up where they're bringing sacrifice. And David makes the most New Testament statement, what, 1,100 years before Christ? Like, you don't, he did require sacrifice at this time. He did. Like, in the temple. And David says, 
he understood the heart behind yes. what God was setting up when everybody else understood the legality. Mm-hmm. Your sin comes with an expense. Yep. Come cash that expense here at the at the uh, temple or the tent uh, tabernacle at that time. Um, and he says, you don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. That's right. Like, I, that is, like, preach that thing to yourself every morning. If you're struggling with guilt, if you're struggling with shame, if you're struggling with who God says you are, this is what David understood. Mm-hmm. And he is, he is writing, he is penning truth, I think, to himself and to the Lord at the same time. Mm-hmm. Here's what the truth is. Remind my heart of it. And it's, it's a game changer. And then the... I mean, just look at the things. He wants, God wants godly sorrow from us. Yeah. A broken and, and contrite heart. A, a heart that knows we have sinned, that is taking accountability for it and taking action in it by, by taking that sin to the only one who has the power to forgive that sin, to get us back on track, back on course, and, and, and allow us to, to reach other people through like even though we have done these things god has a plan to use us on on the other side of it i i do think we have to be careful because in in psalm 51 david one of the things he says is like make me whiter than than snow and and i think that we can easily if we are not careful fall into a place of wanting the appearance of being whiter than snow more than we want the process to becoming whiter Right. Than snow. Well, and the rest of David's story. We can't miss that process of confession and repentance to yeah. receive that forgiveness, which makes us whiter than snow. So you're justified for your sin. You're forgiven mm-hmm. in the moment. The work of him changing your heart mm-hmm. might take a long time. Yes. So like buckle up. Like this yeah. is, you're under construction. Don't carry, yep. you know, shame for that. It's all of us. I'm, I'm convicted about things right now, mm-hmm. you know, on a regular... Oh, this message on escapism this last week, we'll talk about that here in a, another week. It just gutted me on things that I had to bring before the Lord. Oh, yeah. You know, like I, I, I so prefer distraction. Um, now, praise God. I mean, we're all in process, and we're going to be in process until the day Christ returns or calls us yep. home. We have each other for, for support, for truth, you know, yeah. for encouragement. Just get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Get yes. comfortable with... Uh, with the fact that he's still going to do some stuff in you mm-hmm. and through you. But this is the power of a testimony too. Yes. This is the power of your story of like, here's what God did. Here's what he's ongoing and doing. And I can't wait to see what's next. Absolutely. And you, like you, the listener have that story, whether it starts today with Jesus or it started 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And if you think your story isn't flashy enough, cause it doesn't have some cool drama, like, <laughs> the the creator of the universe bankrupt heaven to save you. Yes. That's a pretty powerful story. So whatever it is, like, man, that is your story, and that's something God did. That's yes. something just to be grateful for and put on full display. Is there any closing thoughts you got on this? You know, re- remove the weight. Stop living under uh, under the weight of, of of sin, of shame, of shame, of pain. Like just come out from underneath that and confess 
uh, confess this sin to the Lord, confess uh, the sin to godly people, the godly Nathans in your life that can help hold you, you know, accountable in truth and in love and in grace, but come out from under the weight of that and live in the freedom that Jesus died to give you. Yeah, Acts three nineteen through 21, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That's mm-hmm. what we've talked about. And times of refreshing may come from the Lord, that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed to you, even Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful. Like if you can start to, to live in that new identity, that's our hope for you. That's our prayer for you. you so think about your own story, um, you the listener, and, and think about, what is your new identity in Christ? What is the new direction that, that he's leading you? Um, that's our favorite thing to see. You know, I, I could just start naming names at the end of a podcast like this. Like, this is who I've seen mm-hmm. God change their story yeah. and walk in a new direction. Oh, geez, he changed mine. Yeah. It's I'm just so grateful. Person. It's so grateful. That said, Sarah, would you close us in prayer? Yes. Father God, we, we love you so much. We are so, so eternally grateful for your sacrifice, for your love, for your grace, for your forgiveness. Father, help us to seek your forgiveness and to rest in the truth of that forgiveness and walk in freedom to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me on this one. Oh, gosh. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, this was fun. This was, I asked you a whopping um, 50 minutes ago for this and you came and jumped right in. So I really appreciate it. Uh, if you're looking for a great church home that, that engages on some of these tough conversations and, and wants to see you through it, um, please join us at the Village Christian Church. Uh, you could join us at Seneca over at Sarah's campus uh, at 9.30 in the morning on Sundays. You could join us at the Manuka campus, Manuka, Illinois, or Cool City campus. Um, at 9 or 10.30, or you can join us online, thevillagechristianchurch.com, live.thevillagechristianchurch. You can find us on YouTube, find us on Facebook. Uh, Regardless of where you're at, um, we hope you join us back for another great story. Thank you so much for joining us for another great story. Make sure to click that subscribe button so you never miss our latest stories. And if you are in the market for a great church home, Check us out at thevillagechristianchurch.com. We've got more great stories ahead, and we can't wait for you to hear them all. So until next time, keep living another great story.